What's going on everybody and welcome to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon, with me as always is Caleb, and we are finally done with Video Game Month. There uh, wasn't another week of April that popped up. <laughs> I know, right? We finally got to Star Wars. Yeah, a couple days after May the 4th be with you. Yep. Did you do anything epic? No. <laughs> I watched Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I didn't even pull my uh, one of my Star Wars t-shirts out. I was too lazy to go looking in my closet. I don't even think I have one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're a terrible person. Oh, gosh. Um, Other than Return of the Jedi, what have you been watching? Uh, well, I got a few this week, actually. Um, watching Halo, of course. Nothing really new to mention there. Uh, nothing groundbreaking to share or anything. I did watch the new Batman that came out to streaming. So first comment is it's a very long movie, mm. like three hours long. And second is it's good. I enjoyed it. It is definitely very different than all the other Batman movies. Um, kind of like when Joker came out. Um, okay. You know how you've seen that one, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that one was quite different because it was more serious, really dark. Um, it felt more like a... Uh, heck, I don't even know what's just... Eh. It felt like a normal movie, not like a superhero movie. I mean, mm -hmm. Batman, Batman didn't show up, so that was part of it. But um, in this one, and I knew this ahead of the time, it was more of a detective noir style because um, Batman is the narrator and he kind of describes things that are going on. He, most of the narration goes on at the beginning and at the end, but... And there's more clues and things of that nature in this compared to your normal Batman where he goes around and he just like beats everybody up. So, but I enjoyed it. Definitely could see that not every Batman fan would. So, uh, the other big movie that I saw was finally got around to watching Sonic 2 with my kids. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Uh, the addition of Tails and Knuckles, spoiler alert. I mean, everybody knew that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was good. Uh, Jim Carrey, of course, did a fantastic job. I do, if I had to say my preference, I would probably say the first one is better. The main reason being is because this one just felt like it was a little bit too long and it dragged out some pieces that didn't need to be so long. Okay. But other than that, I think, you know, more animated characters from the game uh, were strong choices. So, and there's potential for more movies in the future. Rock. Uh, the last thing then is a very weird, obscure movie. I saw something online on social media for a movie that came out in 2015 called Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I wasn't going in 
feeling like it was going to be anything impressive, but I was optimistic for how funny it might be um, because it has David Koshner in it. Okay. Um, David Keckner. Keckner, sorry. <laughs> Koshner, Keckner. You know who I'm talking about. Todd Packer. Yeah, Todd Packer. And who is the other person? Why can't? Oh, yeah, Blake Anderson. Um, in it, who are two notably funny actors. Um, after starting the movie, I quickly realized it was not going to be as good as I thought it was going to be because their roles were very small. <laughs> so they definitely kind of used those actors to pull you into the movie. Okay. Um, but they're it honestly reminded me of something I would have watched in high school or maybe college with my friends just to be stupid and laugh at. Okay. Uh, watching it by myself now at this stage, uh, there was really only one part in the movie that I audibly laughed at. So probably don't really recommend it because it was meh. But if you like those tongue in cheek zombie movies that just are ridiculous because i also think this is important to mention very very loose zombie expectations because somehow they would have i'm just going to give one quick example of how the zombie the zombies didn't act normal where a zombie became a zombie probably like i don't know i may even be generous and say maybe like 20 miles away from the zombie human's home but then somehow finds their way home in the matter of like an hour okay <laughs> so they're they're very generous with kind of like the rules and expectations of zombies so i i got a little annoyed and nitpicky if you can't tell I like my zombie zombies slow and lumbering. <laughs> <laughs> they were mostly slow and lumbering, but they they just kind of got out of control, ridiculous. But that's what this movie was kind of going for. So, but yeah, so that's what I watched. Well, I do have one important thing to mention, not not movie related though, is that we haven't said this yet, but we do have a TikTok. So. Heads up, if you have not checked it, we do have a TikTok. We have new content and stuff on there that is not on all our other platforms. So if you want to check it out. Also, I do know um, that our listenership has been up. So welcome new listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you're here from TikTok, awesome. That means it's paying off. So that's it. What about you? Oh, we've wrapped up 90 Day Fiance before the 90 days. All right. Uh, I've been watching this documentary series that Shudder produces um, called Cursed Films. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, movies where it had like troubled productions or um, people that are involved in it like died under strange occurrences and things like that. Uh, kind of interesting uh this this was like the second season of it it wasn't as good as the first season 
Oh man, I also watched the newest episode of Young Rock and the Goldbergs. Uh, I watched Sleepaway Camp for probably like the twentieth time. Um, and then I watched uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Right. Uh, I start. I'm like halfway through uh, Far From Home, which <laughs> the these titles for these movies. I'm like, okay. Because the first thing I think of with Far From Home is this movie from the 90s called Far From Home Adventures of Yellow Dog. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> and I don't know, I always like those um, survival movies. And that was just like Spider-Man Far From Home Adventures of Yellow Dog. <laughs> 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 that was like the first thing that popped in my head. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm notoriously not a fan of superhero movies yeah i've been burned out on them for quite a while but you know after we watched uncharted i was a little more interested to see some more tom holland so i i checked it out and it it was pretty good it had some slow parts in it and i felt like the movie could have been cut back a little bit uh you know i always say that i'm I'm not a fan of movies that are over two hours yeah. Most movies that are over two hours, I feel it could be cut down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it had some slow parts in it, and honestly, I think I liked the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movie, the first one, better. <gasps> what? <laughs> but I will say that the second Tom Holland one, I'm enjoying more than the first Tom Holland one. Yeah, it does get better. So. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So. Um, I will I will say that the Spider-Man movies are like a thousand times better than your average Marvel movie. So. Oh yeah. It's not as formulaic. But yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Uh I'll give a shout out to the YouTube channel because I've been doing this new kind of like spin-off series uh where I talk about slasher movies and I just dropped the second episode the other day on the prowler from 1981 uh i've seen so many of these movies that i thought i would just like share talking about them and then we don't have to take up time on the podcast to do it (laughs) yeah no that's that's good to mention because i totally forgot about that and we have not been promoting that yet (laughs) yeah uh especially some of these that are kind of lackluster or ones that i'm like "Eh, i'm not gonna bother making caleb watch it Although this one is the prowler is pretty good. I, I would suggest watching that one. I mean it's kind of brutal at times, but it's along the lines of my bloody Valentine. Rock. But other than that, that's man, that's pretty much it. Uh you wanna jump right into Jedi? Let's do a let's return to Star Wars saga. <laughs> Rock. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Ready, everybody? Chewie, let's see what this piece of junk can do. Here we go again. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. (laughs) Return to heroic adventure. Don't know the power of the 
dark side. Return to the ultimate confrontation. Freeze! Don't move! Oh dear. I love you. I know. Return for the climactic chapter of the Star Wars saga. Exciting is hardly the word I would choose. But most of all, return for the fun of it. Return of the Jedi. So we're wrapping up the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, this is our third year in a row doing a Star Wars movie. So we're going to do The Return of the Jedi. It is from 1983. It is directed by Richard Marquand. And I think before we started reviewing this, these movies, I thought that George Lucas directed them. Oh, I totally did too. <laughs> like, and he only directed the first one. He produced and like wrote the other ones. So, Oh yeah, Makes and sense. was heavily involved. <laughs> oh yeah. And directed some of the stuff in the other movies too. Mm. Uh, uh, the plot is after a daring mission to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt the rebels dispatch to Endor to destroy a second Death Star meanwhile Luke struggles to help Darth Vader back from the dark side without falling into the Emperor's trap meanwhile <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> uh, the cast for this we got Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker Harrison Ford as Han Solo Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia David Prowse, Sebastian Shaw, and the voice of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. <laughs> Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, uh, Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine, and Kenny Baker as R2-D2. Uh, I will say before we start all this that this was always my favorite Star Wars movie as a kid. Yeah, For some I, reason, this is the one I watched the most. That's actually a great thing to touch on because I definitely wanted to kind of comment on that. So now as an adult, is that still your favorite? Um, I think so. Just because I get the most entertainment from it. I will say that Empire Strikes Back is probably the best movie of the bunch. Okay. Yeah, because I, I will say that my favorite one as an adult is Empire Strikes Back. Um, but as a kid, this was my favorite. So, and I actually kind of, while I was watching it, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, why was that? Why was it when I was a kid, if I rewatched any of them, it was Return of the Jedi? Was it the Ewoks? No. <laughs> you were all about the Ewoks. <laughs> I love the Ewoks. Not really. Um, not the biggest fan of the Ewoks, but I, I did... I do believe I figured it out because in my opinion, of course, this is kind of a loose opinion and, you know, based off of, oh my gosh, what, 25 years ago, um, me as a kid, is that it's, it was the most entertaining for a kid, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because right away, it starts off with all the stuff happening uh, with Jabba's palace and the Rancor and then the Sarlacc pit. And then it jumps from there into um, the stuff going on with the assault on the Death Star and the Moon of Endor. 
So just a lot. I felt like there was a lot more of the adventure fighting aspect. It was a lot more action. Yeah, which would have drawn me more in as a kid and why I probably would not have been turned on to Empire Strikes Back as a kid was because it was so it was more dark and menacing and the fact that the ending wasn't uh positive didn't leave you on a happy note probably bugged me as a kid so I I kind of pieced the puzzle together and I feel like those are the reasons why I liked Return of the Jedi more as a kid but now I appreciate Empire Strikes Back more as an adult rock Oh. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, that, you know, I think this is the most entertaining, I guess. Um, just because there's so much action, there's always something going on. And I think that's probably why I gravitated towards it, too, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Plus, I used to play the Super Nintendo game all the time, Super Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. That Star Wars trilogy on Super Nintendo was equally fun and difficult (laughs) you ever play any of those uh i don't think so i remember playing the star wars game for game boy and that was really tough but a lot of fun yeah these ones are super tough uh i think i think they're on the playstation store oh nice or they were at one point because i think i have super return of the jedi on my ps4 rock but i mean i still have it for super nintendo too but if you ever get a chance check it out it's they're pretty fun they're really challenging dude empire strikes back i could never beat that one and mm-hmm. super star wars was hard too <laughs> jedi i thought was the easiest of the bunch but look a lot of my friends had a hard time beating it rock um i don't know let's get into it um what's good about the movie is i don't know i just originally i thought it was like well pretty much everything's good with the movie yeah no i mean overall great entertaining movie as we've already talked about um i mean some of the typical things that you get i mean there are slower parts of the movie and everything but gosh how long how long was this movie Oh, yeah, it was just a little over two hours. I remember we kind of talked about that. I mean, for as long as it was, it did a good job, though, of keeping you engaged uh, the whole time. And then also the fact there was a ton going on because towards the end, they split it up between the assault on Endor, Luke on the Death Star, and then Lando and the fleet Mm -hmm. fighting the Empire. So there was a lot going on and they bounced around quite a bit could have maybe gotten a little bit overboard with some of it, but they did a good job of um, not getting too crazy and getting you lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess some of the reason too, why it doesn't seem like it's a two hour movie just because the pace of it is so fast. I mean, it covers a lot of things, but everything moves along rather quickly. There's no like slow parts, like, you know, the the first one or yeah. Empire. Um I don't know. One of the things I always really enjoyed in this movie was the lightsaber battle at the end. And I mean it's pretty mild compared to what they became in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, stuff now. 
Um, and it really, like, Luke and Vader don't really battle too much one-on-one with the Sabres because, you know, Luke kind of, like, jumps around and avoids Vader a lot and talks. I, do, but, I will not fight you. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Jackie Skywalker. <laughs> um, I, I don't know that whole thing. And when, then with the, the Emperor talking, and the Emperor is just one of the greatest villains ever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to be more menacing than Darth Vader, but somehow the Emperor was like he was just like pure evil in the way he spoke um and just looking like a frail old man but still being like intimidating at the same time Mm -hmm. even before like he shows you know his force powers or anything yeah you know what really helped reinforce that was how submissive vader was to the emperor yeah because that just like puts in perspective where you're just like, whoa, hold on. Vader, who's like the toughest, baddest individual in <laughs> the universe, is submissive to this guy. Yeah, Vader, like this huge six foot five, half man, half robot that could choke people with his mind and everything, like bows down to this guy. Mm-hmm. Like that just shows you how, how powerful Emperor Palpatine is. And I don't know, another thing I enjoyed about it, too, was, um, you know, at the end where Vader does, like, embrace, like, some of the light side and um, ends up saving Luke from the Emperor. That was something I always enjoyed, too. Yeah. Like even even though that you know Vader dies at the end, which is always kind of a bummer, but I mean it kind of needs to happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that because I've never really kind of sat and contemplated it, but I really think that they executed that really well because there were the conversations that Luke and Vader had kind of leading up to it, and if you watch it the first time you're really like man i don't know where this is going is vader going to you know help his son or not um and then when it actually happens it man i don't even know how to explain what was so effective about it but they did a really good job when the emperor was attacking and essentially killing luke and then vader they show the, oh man, the the inner struggle for mm-hmm. Vader as he's standing there watching it, which uh, is very interesting because <laughs> the Emperor essentially, I don't know if I ever really picked this up before, but the Emperor essentially kicks Vader out of his spot and says, "Hey, Luke." you're like your father come and you know take take, take his place <laughs> so, yeah take his place at my side even though he's not dead yeah but let's let's kick him out <laughs> so I, that was kind of a, a little bit unusual to me i mean like i feel like that kind of maybe opened the door 
a little bit more for Vader to uh, change to the light side because mm-hmm. it's just like, dude, this guy totally screwed you over. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing is impressive, too, is a show like that change in emotion on a character whose face is completely covered. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think of, I mean, it may become another dumb comparison, but um, Mexican professional wrestlers <laughs> who wear masks. Yeah. Um, I've heard, like, some of them talk, and even, like, you know, American guys like Kane, who wore a mask most of his career, that it's, you have to work so hard on body language because you can't rely on using your face. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with this movie, you can really see that too with Vader. Like you, like you said, you can see that internal struggle and then like his, his change of heart and, you know, picking the emperor up over his head and throwing him off that ledge. Mm hmm. But guess what? That didn't kill him. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Spoiler alert from the 80s. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and some of the stuff in this I thought was kind of clunky. Uh, I think we both talked about it before we recorded, but uh, how they just kill off Boba Fett. Yeah. In like five seconds, and it was like an accident. He looked like a complete moron. Mm-hmm. Very, very disappointing for how like badass they made him look in Emperor Strikes Back. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone. Uh so another thing too is I never noticed this as a kid. I didn't really notice it until I looked into facts and trivia. Uh I didn't have this in my facts and trivia, so I'll just say it now. But they originally weren't going to have Yoda in this movie. Oh. Hmm. And they kind of added him in to, like, confirm to Luke that Vader is his dad. Because even James Earl Jones thought at the time that Vader saying he was Luke's father was just a lie. Like, to play head games with him. Yeah. And, um... They had this moment had the moment with Yoda because if you think about it Luke goes to Dagobah sits with Yoda for like what five minutes and then Yoda dies <laughs> it tells I, him I, tells him that it's like oh yeah by the way Vader is your father yep and then he dies yep. and it's it, so convenient that Luke shows up just in time right yeah. <laughs> Yoda's just like okay he's here I could die now mm-hmm Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it was one of those things where i was watching it this time and i was just like was that his purpose like you know i have to hold out to be able to you know give luke final instructions and then i'm just gonna <laughs> let myself die right that's my last gasp of energy uh man and then his uh, yeah I, I always think about his like last line where he's like there is a nut the Sky, <laughs> I was just like, I get it, it's dramatic, but at the same time, I was just like, okay, that was awkward. Uh, yeah, for sure. And also, you and I watched different versions of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because I I watched it on my CED player, so it was the original uh, version from 1983. Yeah, that that I watched. So the best part about that is I didn't have to watch that stupid long song in Jabba's palace. Oh my gosh, I know, and the with terrible the aliens singing and CGI. Oh, yeah, terrible. Uh, I'm really happy I didn't have to watch that because usually yeah. I fast forwarded through it. <laughs> Well, then the other stupid thing was they changed the song at the end of the movie when they won. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed it to something else and they extended it. Now, so there was a good and a bad with that. The bad was they changed the song and so it just felt weird and awkward. But the good was, I, I mean, I, I thought it was kind of cool, more so when I was younger, that they showed everybody celebrating around the universe uh, mm-hmm. in different locations which was kind of like okay that's that's kind of a cool little thing to throw in there but necessary no but. <laughs> yeah and i also got to see the part at the end where it was the original uh anakin yes with obi-wan and yoda oh my gosh that was totally in my notes on what was bad because you why? got to see hayden Christ- christensen yes <laughs> why, why? Like I don't know. George Lucas is insane. The only thing I can think of is okay, because he changed to be good, but then even at that aspect, it's like why his younger self, and then why wasn't Obi-Wan his younger self? And yeah, it just did not make sense. Yeah. What what does a young Yoda look like? Right? Baby Yoda, I guess. Yeah, and so do when they or whatever they call him, Grogu. When when they die, do they get a chance to choose? Like, oh, hey, I want to look like my younger self. (laughs) It's like a Hall of Fame bust. (laughs) It's like this is what I want to look like. Exactly. Oh, geez. Um. So another thing, people. What? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say another thing people take exception with in this movie is the Ewoks. Mm Hmm. I don't understand the issue with the Ewoks. I know maybe you have a little stronger feelings about it than I do. I I don't hate it. I do agree with people how it's a little bit awkward and, and kind of cheesy um, to kind of think about how these small little primitive creatures with bow and arrows and spears can take down the emperor <laughs> or the empire. Yeah. Um, I, I, so yeah, I don't hate it, but I definitely don't love it. I'll put it that way. Um, but I mean, like, you know, for the eighties, you know, they, they looked cool. It was a different type of sci-fi creature and it was a unique way to kind of depict something and it was effective and it worked. I'm not going to sit here and say, I would know how to do it better, but it was, um, it was not the strongest part of the movie. Yeah. I heard the original plan was to have a planet full of um, Wookiees. That thought kind of crossed my mind and I felt like would have been kind of epic. Yeah. And then I'm at the same time, I'm like, okay, is there really that huge of a difference between a bunch of Ewoks and a bunch of Wookiees? I mean, other than height difference? Uh, Well, Wookiees definitely feel more menacing and kind of believable that they would have a brute force to be able to 
take down the empire, but I mean, like I said, you're you're kind of splitting hairs there. But yeah, I don't know. I never really had too much of an issue with it. I know a lot of people thought they were just trying to like create these cute characters for kids that they can market. Uh, yeah. Well, it is it is Star Wars. Uh, before it was owned by Disney, so maybe it wasn't a money grab, but maybe they were doing it way back then too. <laughs> maybe because I know they made like cartoons and stuff about the Ewoks. Okay. Yeah. And very good chance that was a money grab. Um one thing that I had down in my notes for mm-hmm. what was bad with this movie or not good, however you want to phrase it. Uh I was really disappointed. I mean Ever since the first time I saw this movie, something that always disappointed me is that we got to see these really cool new characters who were the Emperor's guards. The bright red guys. Yeah. They look so cool. I know. (laughs) And then they did nothing. (laughs) Yeah, dude, those you gotta play the super Return of the Jedi game because you have to fight the guards. Okay. And they're like ridiculously tough to beat. They're like super fast. They have like this crazy dash move that they use. Yeah, well, in the movie, you know none of that. Yep. So that that was always a bummer for me. More so as a kid, probably just because you were hoping for something cool and then there was nothing. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like um was it Empire where you see all the different bounty hunters? You got that yeah. dude that's got like a dinosaur head. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, you got like all these cool looking bounty hunters and there's like no backstory on them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those Imperial guards are really cool looking. They don't ever do anything. Yeah, that would be a cool Star Wars show is just like a bounty hunter show. Yeah. I mean, they kind of do that with the Mandalorian. Yeah, but I was thinking more so on kind of either... I don't know what the next phase of the Mandalorian is going to involve because they did bring in uh, one of the other bounty hunters, the robot one in the show. Mm-hmm. So if they brought in more bounty hunters just to kind of highlight them more, that'd be kind of cool. Or if they just did a bounty hunter show where they would kind of go into more detail for different bounties hunters and do kind of like side stories or side quests. Is dog going to show up on it? <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Boba, Boba Fett and Dog the Bounty Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious for him to have a little cameo. Uh, just standing in the background. <laughs> it's like one of those things that you notice because he's only on screen for like a second. That'd be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just happy I got to watch the version without all the bad CGI. Yeah. You, the multiple you... different times that they did it, too. Yeah, that would be kind of an interesting thing to compare and discuss at some point on being like, okay, which one of these had the best CGI and which one had the worst CGI out of the three original movies? Yeah. Some of it was just pointless. Mm -hmm. This one had probably the most annoying with that extended... um, singing and dancing scene in Jabba's palace. Absolutely. Uh, and then other ones, like I said, were just pointless, like in 
uh, the first one, you see off in the distance, like, this big frog creature eats something. And it's on there for, like, a second as, like, an establishing shot. Like, why did that even happen? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, George Lucas got to see, like, the the CGI done for Jurassic Park, you know, because he's friends with Spielberg. And it's just like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to, like, hack up my most famous movie now. That's right. <laughs> Big mistake. Actually, what would be a bigger mistake is Star Wars Episode 1. Ugh. Or maybe Episode 2. <laughs> <laughs> episode 2. I have never watched all of that movie because I've fallen asleep during it multiple times. Well, hey, guess what? In Joy two boy. years, in two years, we get to watch it. So, oh. <laughs> I have seen episode one multiple times, and I played the PlayStation One game a lot. <laughs> Star Wars always seem to have good video games. Yeah, you definitely have more experience with that than I do. Yeah, yeah, I can't recommend the Super Star Wars games enough. Those were great. Um, got any more stuff to talk about? I or I can get into trivia and facts. Um, last thing before trivia and facts probably is that one of my favorite parts of this movie as a kid and still as uh, an adult was the rancor. Yeah, the rancor thought, is cool. I thought that was awesome, and it was just enough to like didn't overdo it, and how it all played out was really well done and entertaining, but just kind of had to shoehorn that in to make sure to give it credit. So rock. Did we talk about the speeder bikes? Oh, I don't No, We didn't Dude, the speeder bikes are like some of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. The whole, the whole setting that they're in like the, the big forest with like a redwood forest or whatever was awesome. Yeah. They definitely did a good job with that environment. And uh, the speeder bike chase was well done. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to try to say this as quickly as I can because I forgot that I did this. If you're, uh, if you follow us on TikTok, you can go and see this. And I actually am going to share the uh, response and answer on there too. But a really funny thing about the um, rebel assault on the moon of Endor is that when they go into the bunker, um, you might remember that they take out a stormtrooper that's uh, on guard mm -hmm. and he's by himself. Well, when they get captured and they all walk out, uh, Han Solo, um, Chewbacca and Princess Leia and everything, and then their team is captured, there's one guy on their team that actually dressed up as the stormtrooper and you see him dressed up like the stormtrooper, which was super weird for me to see. Like I was super confused because they yeah, don't I've actually never notice that. Yeah. So you actually don't see a hat or I never noticed that you see it happen, but apparently I looked it up to see if anybody had like a backstory. Cause it just seemed really awkward. Um, and apparently in, uh, when they enter the bunker, when you look outside, you can actually see the guy, I think, putting on the helmet and standing outside the door, pretending to be a stormtrooper to stand guard. Oh, okay. So just kind of like one of those like really tiny details that I had never seen before. Most likely most other people haven't either that might be worth kind of 
looking <laughs> for next time you watch it. Uh, yeah, that's hilarious that you saw that. I like I said, I never noticed that before. And when you sent me the the picture, you're like, who's that guy? Yeah, what is this guy? Oh, <laughs> uh, another thing too is um that whole conversation with Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. About um them being brother and sister and she's like somehow i always knew like well then why did you make out with them numerous times exactly are, are you from the second moon of alabama <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious <laughs> yeah that was always one of those interesting conversations that you wind up having after you watch that movie where it doesn't just quite make sense Oh, gosh. Yeah, so trivia and facts? Rock. All right. I got a fair amount. So it took six people to work on the full-size animatronic of Jabba the Hutt. Nice. Yeah. So the Emperor's chair was actually mechanized so it could rotate uh, when the seed called for it. However, the mechanism like never worked properly, so the actor had to make it move by shuffling his feet. Uh, a piece of tape was actually on the floor that told him when to stop so it could not be visible in the camera nice yeah uh carrie fisher really cared about uh warwick davis uh he played like the main ewok of wicket uh she really cared about his well-being during the filming as he had to like spend it in a hot ewok costume Mm. so she provided him with milk and chocolate milk and cookies between takes uh davis later commented that she was everything an 11 year old ewok could possibly wish for (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't know if you know much about warwick davis but he was also in willow yeah and he was he's the leprechaun from the leprechaun movies oh seriously i did not know that i knew he was in willow yeah so he's one of the most established um little people actors Nice. Uh, so during the shot in which Salacious Crumb was like, you know, Jabba Hutt, Hutt's little like crony that just laughs and he's annoying, um, <laughs> is chewing off C-3PO's eye. Anthony Daniels actually had a panic attack while he was in the suit. Uh, while filming, he didn't actually say his lines, um, but he just kept repeating, get me up, get me up over and over and over. And this was actually used in the final cut. Huh. So the point of view shots for the speeder bike sequence were actually achieved by having a camera operator with a steady cam walk through the forest at normal speed uh, with the camera filming at one frame per second. Uh, when the footage was played back at 24 frames per second, it gave the appearance that it was flying through the forest at high speed. Wow, man, how far do you have to walk? <laughs> right, that poor guy. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Fred, go grab the camera and just go walk for eight hours. It, through a forest, too. <laughs> they don't trip on anything. That'd be my luck, a trip, trip with this really expensive camera. Uh, so Admiral Zakbar of It's a Trap <laughs> was originally scripted as It's a Trick. Uh, the line was changed in post-production after a negative test screening. Yeah, It's a Trap is definitely better. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Carrie Fisher complained about her costumes in the previous two movies uh, to George Lucas. He explained he wanted to set Leia apart from just eye candy damsels in distress. And he wanted her to be a bold leader that could be looked up to instead of sought after. Uh, Fisher thanked him for being so thoughtful, but then followed up with the notion that um, that no one could tell that she was a woman. Because <laughs> everything she wore was like so baggy and everything. <laughs> uh, those complaints led to the skimpy outfit that she wore when she was Jabba's slave. Uh, okay. the, casting, the costume became something of like a running joke with the crew. Because the the frame, the metal framework that held the top together, um, meant the costume didn't move very well with her. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, since Fisher didn't like the industry standard solution of using double sided tape, uh, it became necessary for each take to have a solution of a wardrobe person like checking to ensure that her boobs were still snug inside the costume. <laughs> uh, and there were several scenes that had to be reshot because of quote unquote wardrobe malfunctions. <laughs> so there was a literal boob inspector on that. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. That is funny. Yeah. I, I heard a little bit about that and uh, heard about how difficult it was to wear for her to wear that outfit. That's funny to hear the whole story. Yeah. So this was originally going to be titled Revenge of the Jedi, uh, but producers thought the Jedi wouldn't seek revenge due to their ethical code. Um, some posters and theater stand-ups were like, already made, but then had to be quickly pulled with a title change. Hmm. Um, I, I was actually watching Pawn Stars one time and a Revenge of the Jedi poster showed up. And they're like extremely valuable. Oh, I bet. Um, so also at the same time, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan was originally going to be called Star Trek II The Revenge of Khan. But mm. the title for that movie was changed to avoid confusion um, with the movie when the Star Wars movie was going to be called Revenge of the Jedi. Nice. So they both ended up changing from Revenge. <laughs> yeah, well, actually that worked out to benefit both of them. Yeah. So the growls and the sounds of the rain core in Jabba's palace were actually made by a dachshund. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So next time you see the rain core, just think of a little wiener dog growling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second Death Star was approximately 460% larger than the first one. Oh, okay. Uh, this next fact like completely blew my mind. So, John Williams' son, his name is Joseph Williams, is the lead singer of the pop group Toto. What? And he collaborated on part of the, the score and wrote the lyrics for the Ewok songs. What? Yeah, so the dude that sings Africa <laughs> <laughs> is John Williams' son. That completely and utterly blew my mind. That is so weird. So, 10 puppeteers, 9 mime artists, 42 extras, and 18 uh, principals supported by a crew of 90 worked almost a month on the Jabba's Palace sequence. Dang. 
yeah, just all the animatronics and everything in that part. Yeah. This was the first movie to gross over $20 million in its opening weekend. Huh. And last thing I got is this movie costs $32.5 million and it made $475 million in the box office. 32.5 and 400 what? 475. 475. Nice. Yeah. Rock. So we can get into the grades. I got IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think they are? Uh, IMDb 8.9? Is it 8.3? Ooh, okay. Yeah, these good movies are kind of tough because I can't think of exactly <laughs> how good they would have been rated. So Yeah. Uh for the Rotten Tomato critic, let's go with 90%? 83. Oh dang. So So right there with that 8.3. Yeah. I'll say uh, the audience is higher. What do you think that is? Yeah, higher audience, I would probably say like 94%. Exactly. Oh, snap. 94. <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, all right, we can get into our grades. I'll go first this time. Um, Like I said, this was my favorite Star Wars movie growing up, and I don't know, I had fun watching it this time. I don't feel like I have that connection and big fandom that I used to have with Star Wars. Uh, I still have like fond memories of watching it, playing the games, playing with action figures and stuff as a kid, and just wanting to know as much as I could about the the series. Uh, one thing I remembered about the special edition, aside from all the added special effects, is at the beginning of every movie on the tapes, they had like a short documentary. And I remember being really annoyed with that because I always had to fast forward to it to get to the movie. <laughs> like, who puts a documentary thing at the beginning of a tape? Right. Like, put George. it after the, the, the credits. George Lucas. Because anybody, or put it on its own tape. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they could have did like four VHS tapes instead of three. And yeah. Just have one, like, all documentary. Like, I'd probably be more into it now as an adult than I was as a kid, but still. That's just a memory I had of watching these. <laughs> be irritated and fast-forwarding through that. Uh, yeah, the speeder bike stuff, that's really cool. I mean, a lot of the special effects still hold up. I mean, you could tell, you know, some of it is definitely dated, but it's I still think outdated and old... Uh, practical effects look a million times better than outdated and old CGI. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather see um, a stop motion raincore than a CGI um, reptile in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I don't know, as much as I enjoyed it, as a kid, I still enjoy it now. So, I mean, I had to give it a five out of five. Uh, what? Okay. Rock. So, what do you get? Did you give it like a two? A two. I gave it a 1.5. Um, <laughs> no, uh, there's, I mean, while I definitely have things that I can nitpick about the details and some things that 
Uh, I feel could have been done better. I mean, still a fantastic movie. Uh, it thoroughly enjoyed rewatching it. Uh, did not thoroughly enjoy the added CGI and all that garbage, but I mean, great continuation of the story, some quirky, clunky parts, but again, I mean, you're getting into the nitpicky there. Uh, this movie holds up. It, I, as I was watching it, I was just like, man, I am looking forward to when I can watch these movies with my kids. Um, not so much that I think that my kids would be bothered by these movies at their age, but I just think that they're still a little bit beyond them where they would get bored with the movie. So, um, cause I mean, you know, being an older movie, not all the flashy special effects that kids get now, I don't think it would hold their attention the whole time. Um, but I don't have any major complaints. I just don't feel like it has as strong of a, it doesn't resonate as strong as the first star Wars and empire strikes back. So I'm, I gave those two five out of five. So I'm just going to give this one 4.5 out of five. Okay. That makes sense. Um, just because it's, it's not quite there for me. Like I said, as a kid, this was my favorite, but looking at it a little bit more critical and comparing it more to the other ones, this is definitely the one that I would put below the other two. So 4.5 is where I land out. Rock. Rocky top. So we're finally done with the the OG trilogy. Mm-hmm. Have we decided if we're going to go into the prequels? <laughs> I kind of feel like we should. Because it will definitely get interesting. Yeah, it'd be nice to talk about ones that aren't as great. And I still... I mean, I enjoyed episode one as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah, so my thoughts on that might change. Exactly. Me too. I'm I um I enjoyed it as a kid, but also that was kind of at the right time with all the special effects and CGI was getting better and you know, things of that nature. So it will be interesting, gosh, because I can't remember the last time I watched it either. So rock yeah so next year we'll likely cover episode one (laughs) (laughs) got a got a ways to go on that but we don't have a ways to go for next week where we talk about one of the biggest box office bombs ever that's the movie cutthroat island (laughs) that'll be a, a first time watch for me yeah i'm excited about that one long time since i've watched that rock yeah, I really don't know much about it other than it's about pirates. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm blanking. Yeah. I'm blanking on the guy's name now. The main actor. Well, actually the main actor and actress. Uh yeah, Matthew Modine and Gina Davis. Rock. Oh, and uh Frank Oh man, I'm probably gonna butcher his last name. Langella? Yeah, you'll, you're you'll, right. You'll recognize him. Yeah, he was um Skeletor in He Man movie. Yeah. 
it's probably the last thing people remember him from, but that's the, where I recognize the name from. But yeah, so come back next week. We'll be talking about Cutthroat Island. Um, first time watch for me. Long time since you've seen it, so we'll see how it pans out for us. <laughs> but until then, as always, be kind and rewind. Yeah.